0: hello everybody welcome back to the upside stone's draft podcast the podcast the highest ceiling i'm your host bryce Hendricks, joined as always by the great stone hansen the wonderful ryan davis and the new minted consistent member of the crew cooper rockets uh and we are here to talk about the western conference draft um this was a crazy draft we talked about the eastern conference and The Western Conference is is a little tighter because uh, like four teams didn't have draft picks and only one of those teams have like like solidified uh, undrafted free agent signings. So there's a little there's a few less teams to talk about, but there's a lot of intrigue here um, and it starts early. Um, But before we do that, uh, I just want to I want to ask you guys just, uh, you know, if you get some time, leave a rating, review, subscribe. Uh, I think it would help us a lot, and we're really trying to grow this thing. Uh, This offseason is going to be a fun one. So if you're interested in that, then definitely hit that subscribe button. Give us a review. Let us know uh, how we can improve. Uh, But with that being said, uh, like I said, it started early. The Rockets um, in this year's draft, Cooper's team, uh, had the second pick, um, and they took Jalen Green. Uh, This was sort of known. I I think there was some people holding out hope, and maybe even one in in this group. Really holding out hope it would have been Evan Mobley, but uh, it ended up being Jalen Green as suspected. And they traded two future first, which I believe are are somewhat protected. Not like they're not for sure going to be second rounders, but they're not for sure going to be first rounders either. I believe um, they traded those for uh, the 16th pick where they selected Alperen Sengun, um, the uh, star Turkish center. Um, and then at pick 23 and 24, they selected Uzman Gruba and Josh Christopher um so Coop I'm gonna give this to you first uh let's 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 go through this draft pick by pick um because I think we're all gonna have interesting takes um how do you feel about the Jalen Green picket uh
1: well no, I wasn't holding out hope for Mobley I knew there was no hope we we picked him I was holding out hope for Cade Cunningham uh, in the hopes that the Detroit Pistons were incredibly incompetent but they were not so we got Jalen Green um I can see why somebody would take Jalen green too. I can see that. I can see if you think that he has this incredible scoring upside that he can then leverage into like easier passing windows and tightening up his handle a little bit, makes him exponentially better Then that really makes his ceiling maybe even higher than Cades. I don't believe that personally, but I've talked to people who do feel that way. Um, And it is, it is close. I think Evan Mobley is on, was on my board. Like, just above Jalen Green on my final board. It still hurts, I think. <laughs> uh, I think Mobley's upside as a as a game-changing defender was just that much higher. And, I mean, I, I don't know. It makes me sad. But we have Jalen Green. Jalen Green's fun. I'm going to have fun with Jalen, watching Jalen Green. He's good. He's going to be great. I just don't think he'll be as great as Mobley. That's all that can be said.
0: I think I think that's fair and we will get everyone's takes on this but I'll just say um, I wrote a whole thing on this second pick I think I've said that a million times on this pod uh this this was not the pick for me um Jalen Green is probably the second best functional athlete in this class behind Kai Jones in my opinion um his ability to bend his his open court speed his, his ability to jump off one or two it's really impressive he is a very good scorer. I've said this before, too, but in recent memory, I think he's the best of his ar- archetype, which is the sort of hyper-athletic scoring two-guard. I just don't think that is as valuable as uh, as what other players can bring. Um, but it, it, it's not the worst pick in the world. It's just not a pick I would have made. Uh, Stone, how, how are you feeling about Jalen Green here, too?
2: Yeah, I mean... I think we were kind of prepared with this going into it. Like I think for the most part, um, at least I felt pretty comfortable knowing that Jalen Green would go here. So I had some time to think on it before it had happened. And you know, that the there's valid arguments out there. Yeah. So for people that think Jalen Green, you know, is better than Evan Mobley, that's a totally legitimate argument. Um I just think there is some bad like arguments out there saying that, you know, like don't take a big that early and uh, I'm actually hoping to write a piece on that very soon on why big should be taken um, or, or should be considered to take in that high. Um, but there's just some like, you know, bad things or, or narratives out there to try and push Jalen green propaganda, which we're all guilty of, but I didn't buy that, but I think, you know, next to Kevin Porter jr. It's going to be a really interesting fit long term, And we'll kind of get into how that factors in along with their, their later pick in the first round. But um. He, he's just a more replaceable player I think than Evan Mobley and you know that's not to say like elite scores come around all that often but he just doesn't affect the game in as many ways as Evan Mobley does in my opinion um so yeah it, it's not my favorite pick because Evan Mobley was still there but Jalen Green was staunchly my third best player in this draft so I can't hate on it too much um and like I said, along with Kevin Porter Jr., that's a really interesting backcourt of the future. You have two guys who can create their own shots. And um, Jalen Green's case might need a little more time to create for others, but um, to have like two really high-level guards um, of your future uh, is obviously like you, you can't really go wrong with that. So um, I'm interested to see how they play alongside each other too. I think both are most effective with the ball in their hands, but. Um, you know, it, it, for what it is, it's a fine pick. Uh, I just would have rather had taken Mobley here.
0: Yeah, I think that's uh, an interesting development to watch. Um, and I'm really glad that Anthony Edwards and Jalen Green are coming into the league one year after the other. It's because players like them are going to be a real exercise in thresholds. Um, like, what level of a score do you have to be to be a positive player if you only affect the game in that way? Um, you know, there's there's – different levels to it and it's just sort of there's kind of like the best peer score who kind of does nothing else that's like a huge positive in the league is probably Bradley Beal um you know you gotta hope Dylan Green is probably a better player than Beal if you're taking him well Beal is probably worth the third pick I guess that's rude I shouldn't say that about Beal I'm a little lower on him than others but it's just sort of they're just going to be interesting exercise and threshold and sort of how they're used in an offense um it's it's going to be fun to watch them together. Um, but then, with the 16th pick, uh, the Rockets traded up and selected Alfred Sengun. Um This was uh, numerically uh, the worst pick of the draft. Well, no, Deron Sharp was the worst pick on on my draft board numerically, but in terms of just like pure reach to take someone this high to give up draft capital. Uh, this this is one of the worst picks to me, though I know there are some who are huge, huge Alperin and Sengun fans, um, and they're not wrong for being huge, like, really into Sengun. So, Davis, I'm going to throw it to you first. Uh, how do you feel about Sengun, and how do you feel about him here at 16? Um, I mean, I, I'm,
3: I was a little higher on Sengun than, I think, all, all three of you, but I wasn't even that high. I think he was, like, 22 or something, so I still wasn't, like, that high on him. Um, I, I would have rather them taken Mobley at two and then, and then worry about, you know, the guard or, or whoever they were going to take after that. But, um, I mean, I, I guess it's not like terrible to me. Um, I wouldn't like give it a A or like a B B plus grade even. Um, but like, I don't know. I, 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 definitely just would have rather have had Mobley the, the fit next to wood. I mean, it could work. Uh, he's Sengun's probably going to need to be a better shooter. Um, uh, not, not that Moby is, is a better shooter, but I think he's just a way better rim protector and just defensively, which, which Sengun seems to struggle at, at this point, at least. Um, but I mean, maybe they're a young team. They have, they have time to develop. They have time to, to experiment and, and, you know, do different types of things. So, I guess for that for that matter, I didn't hate it.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I disagree with you somewhat staunchly. Um, I just, I, I've given my take on Alper and Sangoon, right? And I, and I don't want to hate on on a kid because I, I, I hope the best for him. I hope he proves me wrong. That should be everyone's stance with every player. Um, I, I, I don't care who you are. You're just wrong if you're rooting for someone to 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 fail. Um, but with Sangoon, I see him as a very um non modern archetype I don't think he has the size to to really be a center defensively um but I don't think he's quite mobile enough to be a four I don't see him as the shooter some do um it's just he's just not a player for me um Stone I'm going to throw it to you to sort of I know you're more with me uh how how you're feeling about this pick and then all that Cooper sort of uh, come to terms with it
2: I am so happy. Um, <laughs> I just had to throw that in there. That's like my favorite clip ever. Um, I really want Sangoon to succeed. I'll say that. Like, I I do like Sangoon. I think he seems like a really fun guy. He's, and I think he's a very, very skilled basketball player. Like, I, I don't think that's any sort of debate. He was very productive for his age. Like, none of that is any sort of debate for me. And, I, you know, I know people sort of, criticize him a lot including us but i don't think it should be taken in that way like we want the best for him and i personally think he's a really good basketball player i just don't think what he does really well translates really well to the nba um or what he doesn't do uh what will come and show itself i guess in the nba is a better way to phrase that because I don't think he's a great defender. Um, he's, he can be an okay rim protector, but I think he's got to be relatively close to the rim to be that. Um, if you draw him out the side of the rim, it's going to be very hard for him to recover, I think. He's not somebody you can really switch defensively. Like, he's just going to have to be within, like, two feet of the rim at all times to be protective on that end. Um, offensively, like, he's got a really good handle. It's just so slow that I don't see it as being functional um the three-point shooting is interesting but I'm not really sure he'll be able to do it himself or be anything more than like a spot-up type guy um he's very very skilled footwork uh in the post um and again that's that's sort of my issue with him he's, he's very good like in the post and creating him for himself in that area and for others as a pastor it's just how useful is that in the NBA um for me, it wasn't very, so I had him much lower than than pick 16. Um, and you know, I wouldn't have I, I just frankly wouldn't have taken him that high um, to put it bluntly. And you have Christian Wood there, which I don't know how long term that's going to be, but essentially you're drafting a backup center kind of for the next couple of years. I don't know if him and Wood can play together or if they're even best utilized together. Um, you bring in Tice now, who I think is probably a better player than Sangoon at this point. So there's just a lot of um, questions in terms of how he fits on this roster, but also what he brings to the NBA. And at pick 16, it's just it's too many questions for me to feel comfortable about taking that high.
0: Yeah, uh, Son and I are on the same page, and, and I couldn't have said it better myself. Again, I wrote uh, a long-ass thing about probably too long. I don't blame you for not reading it. But about Sengun and, and and why I was lower on him. Uh, but Coop, um, how how have you coped uh, since that incredible I'm so happy clip? And um, how how are you feeling about this pick now?
1: Okay, so Sengun, I think there's only two real ways that he returns value in the immediate future, and it's not going to be it's going to be as a as a high post type, Demontis Sabonis facilitator. And I don't think he has the passing for that. He doesn't like, I think he can make reads that are set up for him. And I think those will be readily available in the Silas offense, but he's not going to be fully able to be like a true hub of an offense. And I don't know if you want him to be, but I, like, I just, that's one of the few ways you can see a guy with his skill sets returning value. The other way is I think him as a role, man, who can make passes and, you know, like use his post moves on the roll. I think that was something that he was really good at was he'd be given an advantage heading downhill and then be able to hit someone with a post move. And then that would be how he'd finish his role. And so I don't think he'll be used as a post-up threat, but just as a, as a roll threat, post-up kind of guy. Um, and that's about it. <laughs> um. He's not going to be able to defend. He's not going to be able to play with Wood. You have to play him with Garuba. I don't think you can. You can maybe play him with Tice if you think Tice is a four and can cover up his weaknesses. But if if you like, I get the theory. I don't get the theory of taking him at six pick with the sixteenth pick. I would be fine if he was taken at
3: twenty three. And trading like two future first two, I think.
1: Well, okay, the picks suck. I was, I hated those picks when we got them. Um, Like we got one for, for Russ. It was a terrible pick that became seconds in like four years. And it's like, the wizards are going to suck for the rest of eternity. We're not going to get it. (laughs) And then the other one was uh, the Detroit pick that we got in the Christian Wood sign and trade or something like that. And it sucked just as much and maybe they'll be good with Cade now, but not good enough that that pick's going to be anything useful.
0: That's fair. Um, I will say, I think something we're overlooking is we all see him as a five. I think there's a solid chance the NBA is going to try and develop him as a four, play him next to Christian Wood, try and make him a stretch four. I've heard, I've heard something I've heard a lot is Kevin Love. Um, and every time I hear Kevin Love brought up as a comp, I <laughs> I, uh, I cringe. It's, Kevin Love as a comp is as bad as Chris Middleton or Draymond Green. Um, because, no, you, you're not Kevin Love. Uh People forget that Ke- UCLA Kevin Love was like, I mean, that dude was like eating his canter in the post. And he was also like an elite passer. I mean, uh, just, uh
2: yeah, that's okay. not one of <laughs> Kevin Love like legitimately became like a really good three point shooter, like on high volume and high efficiency. And there's some legitimate questions with some shooting. So projecting that onto somebody is just that's way too much in my opinion. You don't see the shooting
1: projection with a 19 three point percentage in the Turkish league.
2: Hey, you know what? That's that's the second best league in the world. You're talking about there, Cooper. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we we uh we uh we uh will not devolve in into madness here. Um but we as a as a collective we are lower on Singoon. Um and and there are those that are higher. There are those that thought this pick was awesome and they thought this draft was awesome. I've heard you know our friends at Draft Deeper, uh Sam vasini talking about the Rockets as winners of the draft. Um and, and if you really like Singoon, that that's perfectly fair. Um, I just I just don't see it with him. Um, but we are going to praise a Rockets pick. Hallelujah. Uh, with the 23rd pick, the Rockets took Usman Garuba. Um, I wasn't even super high on Usman, but at 23, I thought it was a great pick. Um, Stone, I'm going to let you I think you're the highest on Usman out of all of us. So I'm going to let you kind of give your Usman uh, take.
2: Yeah, um, I had Usman 10 and I'm feeling like that might have been too low, honestly. Um, after watching what he's done in Spain, he's, he's a dominant defender. Like, there's there's absolutely zero question that he's going to translate and be a positive defender on that end for many years to come. Um, offensively is where the questions lie. But considering that you have Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. who are going to absorb a ton of usage in the backcourt, and really be your offensive engines, I would think, for the majority of a 48-minute game. Uzman, I think, fits really well in that sort of um, position because you're now allowing two guys to really run your offense. Well, Uzman could be low usage on that end, uh, but still be effective as, like, uh, you know, short roll passing and yada, 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 things we've talked about before on this podcast uh, many times. Um, and, you know, defensively, the Rockets are going to struggle, but I think he's going to be a really bright spot for them on that end. He might be their best defender, honestly, this season. Um, there's like a legitimate chance he could be. Um, and playing alongside like Jason uh, Tate, it could be really interesting um, combination of, of defensive forwards for them. Um, so this is by far my favorite pick relative to the numerical value um, for the Rockets. And yeah, uh, that I'll just leave it at that.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, Coop, uh, your relation when uh, Usman was drafted was palpable. Um, I think I, I laughed for a solid two minutes. Um, I could not contain myself, and neither could you. So, uh, describe why you were so excited about Usman Garuba.
1: Uh, Usman is it just arguably. Like, other than Mobley, the best defender in the draft, um, and just his versatility. He does everything. Whereas you look at Mobley and you are scared of his strength, which I think was overblown, but you look at Garuba and you go, yeah, I'd put this guy on Joel Embiid, and you live with the results. I don't care what happens. You're, he's strong enough and smart enough and mobile enough that you – can throw him on forwards you can throw him on bigs you can play him in some complex scheme you can do whatever you want with uzman garuba and he's gonna kill it because he's just an absolute monster and at it throwing that kind of guy who you know maybe will be able to shoot one day and i think it's pretty interesting as a role man in real space that that is a very very high level player and the kind of player that doesn't come around very often. That's a truly game-changing defender that usually doesn't fall to pick 23.
2: He, he is a basketball prodigy in a defensive sense. Like, um, th- there's not very many players we see with the de- defensive acumen that, that Garuba has coming into the league. So, um, yeah, I, I really can't, like, say how how much I love Garuba's defense, um, and especially on the Rockets, who a team who will greatly struggle. Um, he's going to be, I think, sort of what keeps them afloat at times.
0: Yeah, uh, he 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 is a game wrecker on defense. Um, I would say one of two guys in this class with like legit defensive player of the year upside. Um, and that's no matter how you want to play him. Uh, I still think his 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 best role is probably going to be as a four on defense who can sort of, you can put him on the other team's best player, but then you can also make some help rotations at the rim. But uh, even as a five, he's going to be so versatile. Um, yeah, I, I think something I underrated about him was I was really worried that he couldn't play drop. Uh, but watching him in the Olympics, he looked really solid in drop. Uh, he looked much more comfortable as a rim protector out of a back pedal, which is, uh, you know, obviously super important for playing drop. Um, so there's some more potential there. I still think he's going to be like, an elite rim protector, but he's just—he's so good. He is—he is so good defensively um, that this was a pretty excellent pick. Um, Davis, do you have any Uzman group th- thoughts? Um, yeah,
3: I mean, you guys basically nailed it. This was probably my favorite pick too. Um, I had him a little higher than than Sun on my board, um, but yeah, I mean, it's—he—he's gonna fit. He fits. He was probably one of the best players available. Um, definitely the best defender available. Um, him, like, like if they would have took Mobley, they would have had a crazy, crazy, yeah, crazy rim protection, but and and defensive versatility. But I mean, he still adds that with Jayshon Tate. Um, so I mean, I, I definitely like to pick. Uh, it's it's he's probably going to be able to to play right away and 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 produce actually on defense for sure. Um, not sure what exactly he'll, he'll be able to do like offensively in the NBA um, but I think that the defense is just too good to uh, pass up on right there
0: yeah he's the type of f- defender that you'll just figure it out I mean and, and I don't know like honestly like was he that much worse of a shooting crossback coming into the NBA than like OG and Anobi? Um, I, I don't know OG and Anobi was not a shooter at uh, Indiana so um, you know, uh, not saying that he can be OG and as a shooter. I'm get, you know that's probably outlier development and definitely using some survivorship bias there. But like I think you'll like Garuba can figure it out enough that you will find a way to get him on the floor for that defense. I mean Matisse Thibel is an awful offensive player right now and he plays big minutes for the 76 ers because they need him. They just they need what he brings defensively. Um, and someone else who could be a really interesting defender, a pick I really like, but I think some of us are more split on, and that's Josh Christopher at pick 24. Um, Davis, I'm gonna throw it to you first. How did you feel about Christopher here?
3: Um, I mean, I I I don't hate Christopher. I I like him defensively. Um he was really he had a kind of a down year, uh, I would say it's as far as expectations go um at Arizona State. But he 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 can probably guard like one through three. Um, he's really athletic I, I don't really buy the shooting that much uh, I don't think it's bad or like a negative or anything but um, I don't necessarily see it as getting like good or where you where you gotta really worry about it um, might just be more of like a catch and shoot type of type of player but um, I, I don't know like I, I, I like the pick there I mean I, I don't I don't hate it, but I, I probably would have taken some guys over over Christopher.
2: Yeah, I had Christopher. I might be in sort of Davis's camp as the relative, like, Josh Christopher skeptic where I had him about 10 spots lower than where he was taken. Um, you take Jalen Green at pick number two, and then you have Kevin Porter Jr. there. It's like – Do you, are you trying to envision Josh Christopher as like your sixth man of the future? Uh, I don't really understand sort of what they're trying to go for with that. It's just three high usage guards, I think, um, or would project to be on the the higher end outcomes. Um, Christopher has probably got the highest defensive projection of the three. Um, But yeah, I, I don't love like how he fits really on this roster um, and again, like fit can be overblown a little bit, but <clears throat> when you have Jalen Green and you have Kevin Porter Jr., I, I guess you're just sort of pigeonholing Josh Christopher as that sort of six man uh, for your team. And just considering who else was on the board, like they're, they're just, like I said, he was taking 10 spots higher than where I had him. And there are guys that I just think would have much fit this roster much better and could have provided a lot more value and, other areas like how much scoring do you really need or isolation scoring i guess i should say on, on one team i i think you could have been better off taking like a edwards who can give you some more low usage offense but really give you some some stuff defensively um so I, i'm not a, the biggest fan of this pick but um you know it's not it's not the worst pick in the world i guess
0: so Stone, you and I disagree pretty heavily here. Um, I like Christopher quite a bit. I had him at 17, not in my lottery tier, but obviously that's that's pretty close, right behind Garuba. Uh, They got 16 and 17 on my board at 23 and 24. Um, I think Christopher can maybe be the three next to those two, which would be just a wild lineup, I know, but uh Christopher's really strong. Um I think his his more enticing skills are defensive. Um he has a really he has really good movement skills. He does give a shit on that end. He's not quite all the way there in terms of feel defensively. Um, he could sometimes over rotate or uh, be over aggressive but he he is trying he he takes pride in defense um, and he moves really well and with as strong as he is like I think you know as much as like I like feel matters like in the end defense it's like 60 60 percent your physical tools like 20 percent if you give a shit and then the last 20 percent is feel right it's like like he might be missing that 20 percent right now but he's not Entirely there, and and he has uh, long arms. he's just big. He's fast. Um, I really like uh, Christopher defensively. Offensively, I think he's a little bit more of a work in progress. He's honestly probably not a very good isolation scorer right now. Uh, You, I think you're going to have to try and figure him out as an off ball player. I think the shot will be okay. He definitely shoots it like he only shot pull ups when he was growing up. Um, But that's something I think can be worked out at the NBA level. He clearly has some touch um and he's someone who if he can hit spot ups he can really attack a close out uh probably put it on someone's head and if he doesn't work out as sort of an like a three and d i hate to use that term but if he doesn't work out as like a three and d wing maybe he can be your second unit creator um and and you know like those pathways are really interesting to me so i really like christopher at 24 uh coop do you have any have any takes on this on the last pick in this draft
1: uh, you know I do um,
0: so Christopher was the pick
1: that I I, I I didn't dislike it as much as I like disliked Sengun in the moment but I didn't like it and the main reason I didn't like it was because it wasn't Deuce McBride but looking at it and you just look at Josh Christopher I think what you were talking about Bryce has many paths to success where I think they bring him in and honestly I don't I don't think you bring him in unless you plan to run him as like the third guard in a three guard lineup. Right. Who's more of your off ball guy and is attacking off the bounce and then off, like off of the green and KPJ's creation. Right. Like he's the one who's capitalizing with his athleticism and they, the way I have looked at it is that he, that you're trying to bring in a guy who they think can kind of be like an Eric Gordon. Right where he's able to defend and lock up one through three because he's so strong, even if he's not the biggest guy and he has the movement skills to do it. And then also be able to shoot a little bit and like grow in that area as he gets older and just kill guys off the bounce, you know, with his strength and speed. Um, And then like, yeah, he is, he's awesome. And, I mean, uh, unless you guys have anything else to say, I did want to just have, like, a little, like, closer on the Rockets.
2: Uh, My my final thing I would say about Christopher is defensively I am concerned about, like, he gambles a lot, and he's able to recover really well, at least in college, uh, on those gambles that he sort of um, gave up, and he's got elite recovery. Uh, I'm just not sure that – recovery will translate to the level it did in college to the NBA so that would be my sort of final thought in in terms of concerns with with Christopher
0: yeah I think that's fair Uh, yeah Coop go ahead and and give your final take on this draft as a whole Um, I'll I'll say really quickly just uh, I generally didn't like it Um, and as much as I nitpick sort of Sangoon I really love 23 and 24 it's just to me it comes down to they made the wrong choice at two and when you're that high in the draft, I think you need to make the right decision. Um, I think Evan Mobley and Jalen Green, uh, despite being two and three on my board, I think the difference is a true franchise player and someone who I don't see as a true franchise player. So as um, it, it, sad as it is, Coop, that's that's how I feel about uh, the Rockets draft.
2: Bryce hates your team. That's what he's saying.
1: I know. Bryce, Bryce, Bryce <laughs> Hader Hendricks is uh, back on the mic today. <laughs> but... Uh... Uh, yeah, so my final thoughts are that the one thing that really I loved about the dra- this draft was that everybody seems very excited to be here in Houston. And that's not something that I could say as a Houston fan for a long, long time. You know, Harden talks about, oh, you know, I'd like the city. But everybody seems very excited to be here. And I think that, and ev- you know, the vibes have been immaculate. They have been great. All the videos, all Josh Christopher at an Astros game. Um, This is me coping, but but the intangibles have really been there as a fan. I'm very excited as a fan, as an analyst. I'm very sad, but as a fan, let's go Rockets. Woo!
2: I feel like you're close to tears with that. Um, But Sangoon is so happy. So, I mean, that's that's what matters. Uh, we, we can go, I guess, to the Thunder there because yeah, uh, we spent so, so much time on
0: the Rockets. Oh, yeah, we spent a solid 20 minutes talking about the Rockets. Um, uh, it's okay because in, in the last episode, we spent a solid 30 minutes talking about IOTA move through you <laughs> or just Kotzakis. So, this is sort of what we do here. Um, but we'll try and move maybe a little quicker through these guys. Uh, the Thunder is a draft that I really like. Um, so they took Josh Giddy at six, which was a surprise. Um, but I, I didn't mind the pick, they took or they then traded 16, uh, Alper Sangoon for two future firsts that, you know, aren't great firsts, but they did get two future firsts, adding to the war chest. Um, and then at pick thirty or at pick 18, they took Trey Mann. Uh, at pick 32, they took Jeremiah Robinson Earl. And at pick 55, they took Aaron Wiggins. Um, so I know Stone and I love this draft, uh, but Davis, I want to get your opinion. How do you feel about this draft for the Thunder? Oh, um, sh- I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't
3: uh, hate Josh Giddy I had him like 12. Um, so it was a little, little higher, higher than I would have liked to get him at. Um, but I mean, the Thunder do have time. Like I said, they're far away. They wanted their guy. So they, they just took him right there. Um, I don't, I don't really blame them. I did like the other ones though. Trey, man, he was a top 10, top 10 guy for me. Um, I really liked that pick a uh, really good creator. Um, probably can can produce right away and get and get playing time especially um, in Oklahoma where where they don't really have a outside of Shea they don't really have a set um, roster but I I do uh, I do think they were one of the one of the better drafts um, that in the entire draft actually definitely in in the west uh, one of the better drafts but uh, Jeremiah Robinson, I was really big on. I wanted the Suns to to get him before they traded away their their only pick. But um, he would, he's he's definitely ready to play right away for for any team. Can be a small ball five, I think. Uh, pretty good four. Can can stretch the floor right away. I do buy the the shot at least as a catch and shoot or corner corner specialist. Um, so I, I I mean I really like what they did. I I would give it a, a, a forgiving grades, but, um, I, I don't really, I don't really like Aaron Wiggins. That's the, that's the, that was their final pick, but it was at in the late fifties, So, um, can't really blame them there either. Uh, just giddy is the only one that I, I probably would have, would have, uh, went elsewhere at six at least, but, um, I, I don't hate it. I did have, I did have him at 12, so it wasn't, it wasn't terrible or, or nothing to, uh, like bash them for
0: yeah so the interesting note with the thunder is just how like like their roster right now is just sort of an amorphous blob you know it sort of has its nucleus right like they have shagel just alexander they just signed him to a five-year max extension uh and then it's like poku isaiah roby uh and dort dort i most <laughs> moses brown isn't on this team anymore i no. uh, I'm, uh, He's been I'm blanking, like three times. Yeah, I'm blanking on some names, but they're just sort of an, a a blob of a team. They're like a they're like a ball of of clay. Um, and I think these uh, three of these four picks, and even even Aaron Williams, I'm not going to be mean. Uh, f- these four picks all sort of add to the tool chest of Mark Dagnall um, and and Sam Presti in terms of what they can build here. Um, I really like Giddy as six. Um, I think he is the perfect type of wing. You want to play next to someone like a, say, Shea Gilders-Alexander who can take advantage of his advantage by passing. Um, I I think Giddy will be able to shoot long-term. Maybe that's a a bad thought. Um, If the shot doesn't get there, he's a much less valuable player. But um, he can run, pick, and roll. He's an excellent, excellent passer, probably the second or third best in this class. Um, it's, it's hard to parse that out, but, uh, just an excellent passer, an excellent feel. And he's six, nine, um, he, like guys like that, it's easier for them to exist defensively. You know, like think of like Danilo Gallinari was like a fine player in the playoffs and that dude moves like he's stuck in mud, but he's six, nine and he shoots the lights out. Like you just, he can just sort of figure it out defensively. It's a lot easier to hide someone like that. Um and then Trey Man at 18. I had Trey Man at six on my board. I was all in on Trey Man. I really buy the shot creation. Um Jeremiah Robinson Earl, I they picked him about where I had him, but I love that pick. I love taking a really high field player who always does the right thing to put next to guys like Poku and Isaiah Roby and Trey Mann who are going to have their growing pains, who are going to have their rough moments. You take someone who can immediately fill a role and really grease the wheels of an offense and a defense. Like I just, I, I love that pick at 32. I love that his fit with this roster. So I'm all in on this Thunder draft. Even Aaron Wiggins is like an athletic two guard, uh, small forward wing type who can play defense and if he can shoot he can be a player. Like that's whatever, you know, I I I really buy this draft. Stone, how are you feeling about the Thunder here?
2: Yeah, um I'm I'm pretty high on it as well. Um I think I might have been lower on Josh Giddy than you. Uh but I I really like taking Josh Giddy here. Um you know there's some guys I I had giddy around 12 on my board but just the context that he's put in now I, I love because you're now putting him as sort of that that connecting wing that we had hoped for, where I think we might've been a little bit more hesitant where if he was put into a role where he's sort of asked to be your, your primary offensive engine, which is going to be Shea now. Um, and, and having Giddy play off of that is, is his ideal context, I think. So I, I really like um, even though it's a little high for me in, in terms of the, the value and pure numerical value, but um, the, the fit, I think, can make up for that and prove this pick, uh, give its worth. Um, Trey Mann, another guy I was very high on. I had him eighth on my board, so not too far behind you, Bryce. Um, you know, playing again next to Shea. Like, they're going to have they have so many fun guard lineups with, with Maladon, um, Shea, Mann, and Giddy. Like, uh, Giddy's more of a wing, I guess. But they, they can play now, like, three guard lineups um consistently you know I worked with better NBA players with CP3 and Schroeder um, and Shea but yeah, you know, they have the opportunity to sort of maximize that again here with with the guards that they got I was super high on Jeremiah Robinson Earl um you know the only person I think that was higher was Mavs draft I had him like like 12 I think um which you know kudos to him because I love I love him and I love Jeremiah Robinson Earl um, but, you know, if you have him and I, I sort of compared him in terms of the value that he can provide to like Ken Rich um, and to have those two guys on the same team it, it is pretty interesting because it gives you, again, like two high field guys that just they do a lot of winning things. So to have them on the same team is uh, it's interesting. And I think, you know, as my, you hear my dog agree with me, um, it's interesting and I think that they can um, play really well off each other. If so, many lineups and so many guys that, again, like the Magic, they're going to have to eventually consolidate, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, they, they they got really good value, I think. And then they got Aaron Wiggins, who I'm not all that high on. I think I had him, like, barely top 80. But uh, pick 55, it is what it is. So if he works out, great. If not, no big deal.
0: What I'll say with Aaron Wiggins is that uh he's better than Scotty Lewis. So uh no, but um uh Coop is pissed. Um yeah no I I love this draft. Um and and you bring up consolidation. Uh, it just uh it better not be Poku that gets consolidated because uh eventually when the Thunder someday move back to Seattle, I want Poku on my team. Um, More but, than
2: JRE, the real basketball player.
0: Come come on now. This is this is. Poku, Poku is the ultimate hooper. He's, uh, he's something, uh, but Coop, uh, give us your take on this Thunder draft, uh, with, without Rockets bias, if possible.
1: Okay. So I, I'm just going to say, I really like their draft, but one of my favorite things to, to see on my timeline is Yusuf, uh, Thunder film room talking about Presti's grand plan. Okay. And I've been thinking about it. I didn't see the plan for a while, but I think that all of these guys really play into what I view as Sam Presti's master plan, which is keep sucking until you get one more awesome guy or maybe two more awesome guys to put next to Shea and just keep sucking forever and then trade literally everything to get to get more guys. You get one more fun young guy and then you trade everything. And these guys can kind of play into that. Josh Giddy. if he sucks, that's fine. You give him more minutes and he just passes and looks cool and is fun. Trey Mann, I don't know if he'll be able to defend anything in his first year in the league. I think he'll get there because he's 6'5 and pretty good movement skills. But he's not going to contribute to like, – other than Jeremiah Robinson Earl, none of these guys are going to be like, yeah, let's win some basketball games this year, guys. Uh, and all of them could very easily be tradable for either future assets or in some mega deal where Presti decides to overpay for whoever becomes available next to put next to Shea.
0: I just want to say that this roster definitely has the next Michael Carter Williams on it, where it's like, someone looks really, really good um, on an awful team gets traded for a first round pick. And then never is anything really again, Uh, no shade to MCW, but um, that the fact that, they the Bucks traded a first round pick to pair him with Javari Parker and Giannis Antetokounmpo thinking that was the big three of the future is uh is hilarious to look back on. Yeah, uh, I don't
1: I don't like the Rockets legend Michael Carter Williams uh slander. So you're gonna uh, have to pod. Uh,
2: I love Michael Carter Williams and I personally am offended. Real update, uh or quick update real quick. I, on Twitter, I asked if Alexei Pokashevsky was a uh, was a basketball player a real hooper and the streets are saying that he is a real hooper so I can confirm my sources. okay things. there's
0: no way there's no way a dude who tried to dunk like from 10 feet out despite not at all having the hops to do it could ever be considered anything but a hooper I mean that dude that's still my favorite non-highlight of last year was like he took off from the free throw to try and dunk and he didn't even like he barely touched half of the net. Like, what, what is that dude doing? Is it
2: isn't there like a meme or a picture of some random college basketball player? It's like so close, but he's like like three feet short of the rim or something. I don't <laughs> yeah. know. It's uh, what are we even doing? Okay, yeah. so to the is, it's it's late for us, but yeah, we're
0: moving on to the Warriors. So the Warriors, uh, at pick seven, sort of the guy that kind of fell into their lap, Jonathan Kaminga, they took, and then at pick fourteen, they they took Moses Moody. So um, this seemed like a draft of, of Pierre, like trying to take the best player on their board. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk of, are they going to trade these picks? Uh, do they want to try and move these guys to win now, but, or, or do they want to draft older players like a Corey Kispert to try and win now, but no, they took two uh, younger players who, who might take some seasoning. So uh, Cooper, I'm going to throw it to you first. How do you feel about this warrior's draft?
1: Um, I love the picks. I love the guys they picked. Uh, for the guys, for Kaminga and Moody's sake, I hate that they're in Golden State. I can't remember. The last guy they developed well was Kavon Looney. Um, I can't remember the last guy who they really took their time and were like, yeah, let's make you a good basketball player. Like, I, I know I, I would talk bad about the Celtics earlier, but this is truly, I think, one of the worst developmental contexts in the NBA because there's... I, I'm I'm just going to sound really mean, but they have a stick up their ass and they just refuse to actually see. I don't, I'm i being mean, but I think that I love these guys. I love Kaminga. I think he could be great. He's shown some interesting stuff in summer league and I love Moses Moody because he, I think I had him like sixth on my final board. He's going to be great. I don't know if he'll be great in golden state, but he's going to be great.
0: Yeah. I, um, I I I second you. Um, I know Stone and Davis are lower on Kaminga, so I want to hear sort of the opposing takes. Um, Stone, how do you feel about Kaminga specifically? And then how do you feel like this draft as a whole sort of evens out?
2: Yeah. Um. Well, first of all, I do love that Cooper was saying, you know, how he's going to be mean, but and then he's like, I love these guys. So <laughs> that that's that was fantastic. Um. Yeah. With Kaminga, it's I hate this context like. I mean, ultimately, we were hoping or I guess maybe still are that they were to trade both of these picks um, and sort of open that championship window as far as they they possibly could, because I don't think taking two rookies is really doing that. Um, And then you take Kaminga, who like, have you not learned from James Wiseman last year that like, you you just got to take guys who don't need this like two, three year development to thing when you have a generational score on your hands um, and you know aren't the highest field guys. So it's just like, I don't know. I, I feel like they at this point, like if you haven't learned from your mistake already, then you just deserve to get burned, I guess. Um, I don't think Kaminga is gonna really provide any sort of value to this team is at least you know his first couple of years. Honestly, like he's, he's, he's a ways off in, in terms of being like a valuable NBA contributor to a championship level team. Um, and, and he's going to have to work um, in terms of like defensively, the, the Warriors might have a really great defensive scheme, but I'm not really sure if Kuminga is a guy who's going to pick up on it easily. We saw how Wiseman struggled with it um, last season. Uh, it could be the same story with Kuminga. Uh, he's not a great shooter, and we know in the Warriors system that if, especially if you're like a wing and um, you already have Draymond Green, so that sort of limits your your lineup versatility and who you can play uh, at the same time. Um, but I do really like the Moody pick, um, and I will say like, I, I think Moody, I had him higher than Kaminga on my board, so I think they got a better value at 14 than they did 7. Um, I think Moody is one guy who has a real shot at being a sort of a contributor in his rookie season, at least um, somebody who I think does really fit well in the warrior system. Um, he can shoot. I think his defense is going to be, um, you know, he's an okay on ball defender, but I think as a team defender in the warrior's defense, he can really be maximized in that area um, offensively too. Like I think he's an underrated passer, and in the Warriors sort of scheme, I, I think I can really be um, maximized. Uh, if not in his rookie year you know moving forward a little bit and um, there's just he's exactly kind of the quintessential warrior's wing I think Um, and he really fits what they do really well so I'm really excited to see But he does I have hope for Kaminga I I really do want him to succeed Um, you know for as much negativity as I I seem to be pouring on him tonight Um, I think he's got a really high ceiling uh high you know high end outcomes it's just that the paths to getting there to me are are so far away that it makes really no sense for me for the Warriors to take him at seven
0: yeah I think that's fair um I'll give so so I'm someone who who remained high on Kaminga probably higher than the majority of draft Twitter I think I did end up with him on five on my board though he was a tier in a tier with 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 guys who 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 I might have taken over him in in the right context, but uh, I still just buy the athleticism, the body, the flashes of feel he had. Um, I think the developmental context for him have been so weird that it's hard to to judge uh, like too much from any individual piece of tape he has, um, and and you're just sort of betting on that upside um he's he's very athletic i think he could potentially play three through five in certain lineups um i don't know exactly how to develop him uh and the warriors aren't the best developmental group i don't feel like um but i think there's a there's potential for him here or somewhere else um he's just his athleticism with the flashes of feel he had um can can really go a long way but the the moody pick i love i thought that was one of the better picks of the whole draft um sort of someone who can at least be a three and d wing but with some legit shot creation upside um a really good feel for how to be in the right place off the ball um i i love moody i think he's the he was the perfect pick here um and honestly they probably could take him at seven and it still would have been an a pick for me so i i love the moody pick um davis do you have any final thoughts on, on the warriors draft as a whole
3: uh, yeah, I mean, you guys basically, you
0: guys basically nailed it. Um,
3: I was lower on Kaminga. Um, I mean, I I don't hate it there. Just Kaminga was projected like five, you know, top five at times, six. So he it was in that range. He fouled a seven. Um, I would have liked Moody there, but they ended up still getting Moody. Um, so I think that's really what made their made their draft one of the best. Um, for me, is that they got my, my seventh ranked player at, at 14, um, after passing on him the first time. Um, so I, Camille is going to take some time. I I don't really know exactly how much time they have to, to develop a player. Um, but I think Moody can, can definitely come in and, and produce right away at least hit, hit, uh, some catch and shoot threes and, and play defense, uh, guard, probably one through three. Um, so I like, I, Love the Moody pick, one of my favorite picks, and uh, I do think he's gonna he's gonna see at least a few minutes this year.
0: So you know, there's those 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 uh, memes consistently on the internet where it's like sort of the IQ chart, and it like starts low and goes up and then comes back down. Um, that's sort of how our discussion of this draft is going because uh, we started at the Rockets, which we were all somewhat low on, Thunder pretty high on, Warriors somewhat high on. Uh, now we're going to talk about um, <laughs> the Kings. Uh, the Sacramento <laughs> Kings took Davion Mitchell at 9 and Namias Kata at 39. And the last episode uh, we talked about the Pacers is perhaps the worst draft. Um, I take Kings. it back. Yeah, take yeah it. we take it back. We got to take, take it back. At the very least, <laughs> Chris Duarte plays the most important position in basketball. Um, and there weren't already two players just like Chris Duarte on the roster. Um, the Kings strapped Davion Mitchell at nine. Davion Mitchell is 23. Um, he's a point guard who, who likely needs the ball in his hands. Um, very good defender, but only six feet tall. Uh, the Kings also have De'Aaron Fox, Tyrese Halliburton, and Buddy Heald. Um, this this was one of the worst picks in the whole draft. Um I was dumbfounded when it happened. I'm still dumbfounded. Um, Davion Mitchell was someone who I liked. I was high on Davion Mitchell before March and then March came around and everyone started moving him way higher than I thought he should be. Um, And, and I can never quite catch up to consensus. Um, I ended up with him. I I had him above like Sharif Cooper, I believe, or or right around there around Sharif and, and, and Jared Butler and, and Deuce McBride and guys like that. But, taking him at nine is just nuts. Um, I'm still at a bit of a loss uh, for how to even talk about it because it's just, uh, it doesn't make sense with the roster. It didn't make sense value-wise. I just, Stone, can you help me out here at all or or are you as lost as I am?
2: Um, I'm probably the worst person on this podcast as far as sugarcoating things, so... Sacramento Kings fans, if you're listening, the, the four of you that are listening, just um <laughs> skip ahead. Because what the heck? Like this this is pathetic, honestly. Like how what thought process is there behind this? Like this is this is such a disgusting pick. You have you, you have your your centerpiece, your I mean, your heliocentric offensive player with De'Aaron and Fox. You have his his like Second secondhand your number two guy in in Halliburton who you know although he's not the ball handler that probably Davion or Fox is he's you, you can only have like those two guards out there I think without taking away from them um and then you have you draft Davion Mitchell who's 23 he's not gonna be like unless you're moving on from Halliburton or you're trying to put him at the three which I guess you can make the case maybe that works but I just I I don't see it like he's he's undersized. So his defense, you know, is like uh, everybody harps on how good he is on defensively. And he is an elite guard defender, but like he's not going to be versatile enough, I think, for you to run out those three guard lineups. Um, He's not a great creator. But again, you have two other creators. Uh, We knew that Davion was going to go high. We knew he was going to go probably top ten but of all the teams to do it, like the King, of course it's the Kings. Um, and this is the worst possible like fit for him. Uh, and after nailing your past, you know, a couple drafts with, with Fox and Halliburton, you just go back to being the Kings again and taking the, or Davion Mitchell. Like it, it makes no sense to me. You're taking your backup point guard at number nine. Like it, it just, it's so such bad value. And then to follow it up with nemius Keda, like, I had him, I think, eighty fifth or something on, maybe eightieth on my board. Like, and you're gonna take him at pick thirty nine when Jared Butler, Kessler, Edwards are available. It, what? Like, it, you have uh, you're replacing Hassan Whiteside with Keta, and he, he's probably gonna even be even worse. Like, what are you doing? Um, yeah. Uh, if you're a Kings fan, I'm so sorry, but this is this is just a pathetic, disgusting depl- display of why not all NBA front offices are competent because they aren't like people love to kind of kind of say like, if you're an NBA front office, like how dare you think that you're smarter than them? And while that may be true for the majority of the time, I, I think there's a good case to be made that a lot of draft Twitter are smarter than the Sacramento Kings on draft night. Um, like it's a pathetic display, honestly, of, of drafting. Um, yeah, sorry. Nope. Somebody else can go and try to sugarcoat it a little bit more. So, but that's my raw thoughts on it. I I love that Stone
0: yeah, is just being full on about it. Um, and honestly, I couldn't I could have said the negative side better myself. Uh, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the the devil's advocate, and I will say I think Davion Mitchell has a legit chance to be a starter in the league somewhere um, if things really go his way. Uh, I think I buy the shooting more than some. I think he a really athletic guy who gets into the paint a lot. He's a smart passer, good defender. Like he can be a starting caliber point guard. Um, is that the type of guy I take at nine? No, but there is a pathway to that. Um, and the Maez sounds bad when you say that Kessler Edwards was still on the board, but he was my favorite of those sort of second round bigs. Um, he's tall. He jumps pretty good and uh, he can pass so you know as far as that goes um but yeah this uh does anyone else have really anything to say i feel like stone just absolutely took the words out of everything um if anyone else has anything yeah.
2: go ahead i feel like i just uh, ruined the shreds I'm yeah like, I'm, I'm sorry I'm, kings fans.
3: <laughs> yeah just, i'm definitely i'm definitely good that was that was hilarious though um just yeah. just the reactions to when it happened live it was. Oh man, it it was, it was funny. I I was actually like Bryce. I actually do like Davion, just not with the Kings. Like I I don't know why they took him, um, but it, it's the Kings. They do Kings things. That's why they stay the Kings, and they'll probably always be the Kings.
2: Yeah. Um, I- <laughs> I feel like I'm like if you guys have watched American Idol in the past, I feel like I'm Simon Cowell on the judging panel, just <laughs> ripping them to shreds. As you guys are kind of like you know not not wanting to be as harsh, and I'm just saying it. So I apologize, Kings fans. That was that was kind of over the top.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, Stone is our Gordon Ramsay. Um, this is uh, it's uh, his his reactions, much like a bad piece of chicken, are uh, fucking raw so um that was bad that was bad uh you know what it is is i'm getting i'm getting a dog next week so i'm gonna be a dad technically so i'm, I'm uh getting the dad jokes out um but no uh with that said well, no one else has anything to say on that the, uh, kings, so the, are, uh, the,
2: the kings are idiot sandwiches i'll just leave it there <laughs>
0: uh the grizzlies um this was interesting. Grizzlies are draft winners teams, the the perpetual winner of every draft. Um, they traded up, took on some bad salary to get up to pick ten, uh, where they selected Zaire Williams, and then at they traded up to pick thirty to select um, one of the biggest surprises of the draft. I think Santi Aldama. Um, Coop, I'm gonna throw it to you because I know you're you're similarly high on to me. Just give us strictly Zaire. Just give us what you like about Zaire and what you think about this pick at 10.
1: Okay. So Zaire, I think was probably one of the most unlucky prospects of the past couple of years, not just COVID, not just Stanford sucking and, you know, literally everything about the year at Stanford sucking, but then having a knee injury from falling off of his bike on campus and then having to wear a knee brace, and then literally still growing. He grew, like, what, an inch and a half during the college season? Like, literally everything that could go wrong for Zaire went wrong, and you still saw the flashes. You still see the passing, uh, you know, not super developed. You can see that he has the vision. He's just not capable of making all these passes yet, and he can make the right pass even as a connector if he's not going to be able to be, a, like, a pick-and-roll running guy. And then at six ten, nobody's touching that shot. That his pull up, if you can direct it into the right spots and at the, excuse me, at the right times, he is completely. Stone needs to stop laughing. This is awful. But he is just like if you can, especially a team like the Grizzlies that has been so good at player development, if they can really bring him along at his own pace and help him learn everything that he needs to learn. He fits perfectly into what they've needed for the past few years is the perfect archetype for their team right now. And, you know, I think this is probably the best spot that he could have ended up in, in the top 10. And there's a real shot for him to return incredible, incredible value with the Grizzlies.
0: Yeah, I could not have said it better myself. I was high on Zaire. I love Zaire Williams. Um, he had a rough season, but uh, he's he is the only bet in this range of like a true wing shot creator, shot maker. Um, my only gripe with this pick is that Moses Moody was on the board. Um, but honestly, is Zaire's highest outcomes are higher than than Moses Moody? highest outcomes and when you're already a team that's that has the pieces the grizzlies do i don't mind betting on your development staff um there's there were some arguments that you know maybe he would have been available at 17 they didn't need to take on the bad salary um i don't know I've, i've heard conflicting reports and i'll just say that like i i don't know enough about nba value like where the nba act teams actually were on that there's a very real chance he wouldn't have been there um that's why like like everyone's saying the Spurs should trade down uh I I've heard things that Josh Primo would have been taken out of Moses Moody at 14 um so you know it's it's all relative um in in a vacuum for this team I really love Zaire Williams uh Stone Davis or do you guys have any anything different to say on Zaire
2: um I would just echo what you said as far as pretty much as on on the Grizzlies um I really don't have much more to add I think You know, if you're a small market team like the Grizzlies and sort of a a young team, take that chance on on a wing who can create for himself um, and be a really high level shot shot maker. Um, I'm totally fine with that. And as far as the bad salaries go, it's not as big a deal for me just because um, you're a young team. What else are you really going to spend that salary on? Because you're probably not going to get any sort of big name free agent. Um, yes, they're both bad value contracts, neither Adams or Bloodso are like really good NBA players anywhere. Um, but, you know, it, both those will come off the books by the time uh, Triple J and, and Jaw are ready for extension. So it's not a huge deal to me. Um, the Aldama pick is honestly my biggest gripe, I would say with the with the Grizzlies draft, like to move up from 40 and give two future seconds just to get to 30 for Santi Aldama it just doesn't seem, the Grizzlies have nailed the draft, I'll say that, and they have a really great scouting department, Um, but it it just, it's an uncharacteristic Grizzlies flaw, in my opinion, where it's just like a blunder in terms of not only value from going from pick 40 to 30, um, when Adonbe, again, might have been there, might have not been, we don't have that intel, but Um, there are just other players, much better players in my opinion available at 30. Um, we talked about like, like Deuce McBride and injured Butler, gets their Edwards, not to bring the same names up over and over, but like, just in terms of, of pure value, I think those guys would have been much more, um, viable at pick 30. I don't really see what the purpose of drafting Aldama is for this team, um, or, or to move up at least from 40 to 30. Like I don't get really the, um the, the, I don't think the gap, even if you see Alabama as the 30th best pick, I don't see the gap from 30 and 40 being worth two future seconds, honestly, in this sort of draft. So it, it just doesn't really make sense to me. Um, but yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and you know, mm-hmm. something important with, with the this should be brought up with all these guys is it's like, time can prove us wrong. Like if if Sandy Aldama is a real NBA player, then, then that's a fine take at 30, Um, you know, value is all relative, but yeah, I would say uh, some important housekeeping with Aldama. I believe he's going to stash in Spain. Um, And I think the only way they could have drafted him was to draft him in the first round, something weird about contracts and, and such. I don't know exactly how it works. I'm not a CBA expert, but, um he's it's sort why, of been,
2: oh, it's ahead. why a good friend of uh, friends gonna get drafted because nobody mm-hmm. wanted to take him in the first which it's a stupid rule but yeah yeah it's
0: uh it's 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 rough but um Santiago Dama is is sort of a bet at like a dribble pass shoot forward um I just think there are better bets uh I think Kessler Edwards I mean if they would have taken Kessler Edwards at 30 and walked away from this draft with Zagre Williams and Kessler Edwards they would have won the draft in my opinion so uh, you know, there's there are better picks out there, but not the worst pick in the world. Uh, Davis, do you have any notes on this draft?
3: Um, no, I mean you guys, you guys said it all. Zaire, uh, I like the fit there. It was one of the one of the one of the best remaining value for me um, at that point, other than Moody and Sharif, which Sharif wouldn't really make sense in in Memphis. So um, I would have picked Moody ahead, but that's it. Um, so I did like the the Zaire pick for sure. Um, they need they've been needing a wing. I think they've needed that position for for years and years now. Um, but the Abdama definitely a head scratcher. Uh, I I had him I had him draftable. Um, I just didn't have him first first round at all. Um, but if 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 it is that contract um, and that's what they had to do then. I guess that makes that makes a lot more sense. But um, still, it was still still questionable there. Um, and I, I didn't like that pick at all, but I, li- I liked Zaire.
2: I will say, too, like JT Thor was still available. That would have been yeah. an awesome pick, I think, for the Grizzlies at, at pick 30 um, or even pick 40. Well, I guess he was taken at 39. So pick 30, it would have been an awesome pick for them. But, you know, uh, it is what it is. Yeah,
0: it is what it is. Uh, we're going to move on to another draft. This is the last lottery pick of the most surprising. The, yeah. The last lottery pick of the first of the Western conference and the most surprising lottery pick in the whole draft. Uh, and that's Josh Primo at 12. Um, we'll dive into that. And then they also, this, this is the Spurs, by the way, they also took Joe Wieskamp at pick 41. Um, this is a tough one to break down because Primo was one of those players who we well, didn't get like a ton of tape on. he, wasn't someone who was really expected to go in this draft. Uh, most I, I had him penciled in for next year's draft. Then I sort of watched some tape. He averaged nine points per game in Alabama was sort of their fourth option, more or less, uh, depending on who was on the mm-hmm. floor. He was never the focal point of the Alabama offense, um, but he's the youngest player in the whole draft. Uh, this this is a pick. This is the pick I've had the hardest time wrapping my head around. Uh, Cooper, I'm going to throw it to you. How how do you feel about Josh Primo? Uh, I like Primo. I liked the film
1: on him. I thought he showed some pretty interesting stuff. I hate him at 12. It's just bad value. And I hate all the discord, or maybe it's not a bunch of people, but there are people talking about, well, Josh Primo played three summer league games and had some interesting flashes. So let's stop bagging on the Spurs for making this pick. It's like, I'm still going to bag on the Spurs for making this pick. There was Moses Moody two picks later, and him and Devin Vassell would have been the most fun wing duo of the next eight years. But I think Primo looked interesting in summer league. I think he showed a lot more than he was able to show at Alabama, and I think that's what's making people overreact to a degree is that he's showing that he can get into the mid-range and has some tough shot making equity from the mid range. I don't think it extends out to three or even very far in the mid range yet, but it's definitely not stuff he was showing in Alabama. And so maybe that's what really made him skyrocket up teams boards or like some skewed concept of pre-drafting to use a PD web term. but this is not pre-drafting if you're going to draft a guy who met like probably this is like his high end outcome next year. If he goes out to draft him this high this year, like the point of pre-drafting is to get value and you're not getting value with primo at 12. So I I cannot endorse this, this pick here. We's camp is fine though. So (laughs) he's he's a fine player to draft at 41.
0: We we what I like about Wee's camp is uh he's he's what I would be if I ended up being six six instead of six two. Uh, he's a good shooter who is uh sneakily athletic and has kind of kind of long arms for a white dude. Uh, that's me. I'm a six two with a six five wingspan and I can dunk. Uh, so you know that
2: uh that would be forty one. What? Maybe you'll go pick forty-one. Yeah. Yes. Yeah,
0: so, well, if I was 6'6", 6 maybe. Um, no, true. but uh, that's uh, that's like I was for. So, I was always in his draft year. I was so high on Kyle Guy because Kyle Guy was just me. Like I thought. I was, All right. It's I, time I, to move on. We're talking about Kyle Guy okay. now. Okay. <laughs> uh, sorry. So for Josh <laughs> Primo, um, the more I think about this pick, the more I'm like fine with it. Uh, I just I don't like it with Moses Moody on the board. If Cooper got me going thinking about Devin Vassell next to Moses Moody. Imagine DeJounte Murray in that backcourt as the – oh, oh okay. Um, but Primo is an interesting bet. He is a good shooter. He's a good defender. He's flashed moments as an on-ball player, and he's the youngest player in the draft. Like, that sounds like a lottery pick. It's just – I feel like he doesn't have quite the shot-making, quite the athleticism to really be some, like, to really be this, like, top, top player, I just, I just don't quite see it, maybe I'm missing something, he's probably going to be a very good player, um, I think he can be a solid, like, three and D plus guard, like, who, who can handle some, some on-ball capabilities, but uh, it's just, at 12, it's just, it's just rough, it, it, I was lower on him on my board, even though I liked him, I had him, I think, 28, it's just, Twelve is just a, it's just a reach, and, and it's hard for me to say anything else. Um, Stone, do you have any, have any uh, primo or Wees camp takes?
2: Yeah, uh, I, I, to make it easy, I guess I, will start with Wieskamp. camper. I think I had him like at forty four, so forty one is totally fine. Um, relative to obviously, barring Sharif Cooper, but forty one is fine value, I think, for Joe camp. I, I think he was. A, fine second round bet in somebody I would have taken in this range so I I can't really say too much more on that I I think he's going to be a good shooter primo it's this is going to sound weird to a lot of people but for me it's less about the value because I think a lot of teams valued him in this sort of range and I had him 25th so it is a reach for me still but it's less about the value and more about sort of the fit I guess which I, I know people aren't huge some people aren't huge and fit but like you're taking another guard when you have um a, a two-way guard nonetheless when you have DeJounte Murray, Derek White, um Trey Jones which I, I was high on I don't know if you guys were then you have Calden Johnson like you, you have a lot of these sort of wing and even with Camp now like you, you have these guard slash wing guys that there's just there's a lot of them um and and you don't really have a balance out on that roster where you know you you have any other like more athletic wings or uh bigger wings I guess or power wings like uh, especially with the Rosen leaving so it's just it's kind of just a weird fit to me where you have you, you sort of what Josh Primo gives you and Vassell where you you what Josh Primo gives you you already have that covered pretty well so I don't really understand what he's providing to this team that they don't already have. Um, I don't know. It's just, it it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, honestly. Um, and even with Moody, you would have had that same problem, I guess, but to maybe even a lesser extent, um, like Kai Jones honestly would have been, I know it pushes propaganda a lot, but like, it would have been a great pick at number 12 for them. I think, um, it, it just doesn't make sense to me really. Um, that's that's all I can really say about that. I, I I like Josh Primo. Um, I think he's gonna be a good player. I just don't know if that's gonna necessarily be with the Spurs because they just have a lot of what he does already.
0: Yeah, they've drafted. They just drafted a lot of like small wings. Um, they. I mean, is this them betting on Keldon Johnson as their long-term power forward?
1: Gold uh, medalist Keldon Johnson to you. Okay.
0: Yeah, I I love, few- I love Keldon. I had Keldon Johnson as a lottery-level player. Um, and I had him above Tyler hero uh, and I stand by that. Um, I, I just, I don't hate this Primo pick. I just don't love it either. Um, it's just a solid reach on my board. Uh, if anyone else has any takes, get them out. Uh, but if not, we'll move on to the Pelicans, which should go a little quicker now that we're moving out of the lottery. Um, so with the Pelicans, uh, they selected Trey Murphy the third at pick 17 and they selected Herb Jones at pick 35. Um. Just really quickly, I love this draft. I I think this is an awesome draft for them. Uh, there are probably better picks at pick thirty five, um, but I, in terms of in terms of fit, like I think we think of fit with the Pelicans is like you have to get uh, shooters, um, and I and obviously Trey Murphy does that one right. Like Trey Murphy is the quintessential like re and D player where he's an excellent shooter, even if it's not super super versatile yet, and he's a really good on ball defender. But I think Herb Jones is a really good fit next to Zion too, because Zion right now is like one of the worst defenders in the NBA. Um, And I would argue Herb Jones, third best defender in this draft. If you can just teach him to hit catch and shoot corner shots, which is not, it's not, that's not a given. I'm not pretending like that is something that will for sure happen. But if you can do that, Herb Jones is an NBA player. And he is a valuable NBA player because he is so good defensively. He can, play on ball, he can play off ball, he can be a nail defender or sort of your help side rim protector or almost a guard playing passing lanes. Like he can do so much defensively. He is so versatile. Um if Fred Vinson can teach him how to shoot a little bit, uh he's a solid passer. He can attack a closeout. Um a lot does rely on that shooting. You know, I, I don't love the term swing skill, but if there's if there's a time to point to it, it's Herb Jones shooting is a sort of swing skill, but he is an immaculate defender. One of the, some of the most fun tape to watch this year is him playing defense. Um, and I was super high on Trey Murphy the third too. So I really love this draft for them. Uh, Stone, do you have any any thoughts on this draft?
2: Yeah, um, I like Trey Murphy here. I, I think he is sort of exactly what they're looking for in a three and D type guy. Um, they don't have a lot of that. Uh, they don't have a lot of wings that do that, I guess. Um, and Trey Murphy is definitely one of them. Uh, he's going to fit really nicely alongside Ingram and uh, uh, Devontae Graham now and Zion. So he can be that sort of guy and fill a role for them immediately. Um, and, you know, just continue to grow in, in that sort of role and and be productive in it. <clears throat> With Herb, I do not like the pick. I think there is, there there's is quite a bit more guys. I had Herb like 60th exactly on the board. So there is, Quite a few more guys I would have taken ahead of Herb. It's just bad value for me personally and my big board. So I just don't like the pick from that perspective. Um, I see what you're saying about needing defense. The the Pelicans are terrible on that end. Um, So Herb Jones can certainly help to elevate that for them. But uh, there's just other picks that – numerically make more sense for me where my big board was and it's it's hard to justify like a 25 pick jump for me so just from that perspective I'm I'm not a huge fan of it
0: yeah I think that's fair Herb Jones is definitely someone who who people are going to have lower views on because um he's sort of like Scotty Barnes to the extreme in that like maybe like like if he can't exist on offense then uh you know what is he but I, I just love him defensively Davis do you have any takes on this draft
3: um, yeah, I mean, I like Trey Murphy. I think 17 might have been a little high, but they didn't need shooting. Um, they needed a three and D wing. I, I thought they would go like Kispert or, or something, but, or, but he falls in that category. Um, so I figured they go that route. Um, I, I, I did like Trey Murphy. I think he can play um, probably right away and at least, you know, bring shooting and, and, and defense. Um, not sure if we'll ever really, really develop much else. Um, but I think that that's him being, him being that good at at what he does is, is good enough for what the Pelicans need. Um, and then Herb Jones, I really good, really good defender, which is what they need. So I get it from that, from that point. Um, but I, I definitely had, guys higher that were available um Aaron Henry being one of them that went undrafted um but even like you know the same guys we've been mentioning Kessler and 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 those and those players but um I I mean I don't I don't hate their draft I think they had like like six second round picks so they ended up moving those um and only only getting getting stuck with one so um I, I didn't hate their draft
0: yeah, I, I think that's fair. Uh, Coop, do you have any takes on this draft? I I don't even know how you feel about Herb Jones because you're sort of new to the pods. So how do you feel about this draft?
1: Uh, well, after you guys roasted me for calling him Herb Jones in the general election. <laughs> <laughs> I love Herb Jones. I love, love, love him. He fits right into the archetype of players that I love who can defend and maybe pass a little, but uh he is a game-changing defender and i think the perfect fit for the pelicans uh i think you can play him with zion and ingram and go small or like play him as a four like ingram him and then a five uh like maybe with isaiah jack or jackson hayes um i think this is just a great pickup this is right around the range i had him in i think i had him like 33 or something um I mean, obviously guys went after him that were higher on my board, but I think that the Pelicans, if they're really trying to, you know, look to win with Zion, just you know, accelerate on the accelerated timeline. Then this is a this is a great pickup and could ru- you could run some super interesting stuff with him. And if if any team's gonna fix his jumper, it's gonna be the Pelicans. If they can't fix it, it was never meant to be.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, they can run some really big, interesting lineups too uh, with like Trey Murphy at the two um, and and Herb Jones at the, th- at the four, though. Even with Herb Jones at the four, you're probably going to be pretty awful offensively with Zion at the five. Uh, but honestly, I, the Pelicans are going to have a, an uphill battle to ever be good defensively uh, because Zion and Brandon Ingram are both pretty bad defenders. Um, and you need specific fits with Zion to be uh, – palpable offensively. So anyways, uh, moving on to the Clippers, um, the Clippers drafted Keon Johnson at pick 21, Jason Preston at pick 33, and BJ Boston at pick 51. Uh, this draft is interesting. Um, I don't necessarily understand what they're going for. I, I, I'm yet to know the contract details with BJ Boston or Preston, but with Preston going at 33, you would think he's going to get a full, at least the, the three-year deal or two plus one, I was talking about, uh, with, uh, I think that was in our last pod, um, where it's, um, it, the, they can either pick up the option on the third year and he'll be a unrestricted free agent after that season or decline the option for the third year. And he's a restricted free agent. Um, that's sort of the, the general like second round pick one. You can't sign second round picks to full four year rookie scale deals. Um, But I don't know. I don't know uh, what the contract details are going to be with with Preston or BJ. Uh, But Keon, obviously, at 21 is going to get the full rookie scale. Um, So, Davis, how are you feeling about this draft? It's sort of a it's sort of a weird one. I think it's not at all what we expected from the Clippers. So how are you feeling about it?
3: Yeah, it was definitely not not the route I I thought the Clippers would go. Um, I think they actually even traded up for Keon. Um, So that was that was even, even more like questionable. And, um, I I mean, I don't hate Keon though. I just, I just thought like the fit was kind of weird, um, in, in LA with, with the Clippers, you have already have two pretty good wing defenders, um, and really good offensive players, um, which, which I don't think Keon will, will be, um, that, that good of an offensive player, but of course, he's going to bring the the defense. Um, however, I mean, they they got the the their need at thirty three. I feel like uh, I was really high on Jason Preston. Um, I thought they would go point guard in, in round one. Um, like if Trey Mann was available or or Sharif, um, someone like that is who I thought is who I, is where I thought they'd go. Um, but they ended up getting Preston at thirty three. Um, so I did like their draft actually Um, Keon is just kind of questionable. But, but Preston, I think fits right, fits right in. I don't know if he's going to be able to play right away, Um, but they did just re-sign Reggie Jackson to to two years. Um, They signed, I think, Justice Winslow. Um, So I I don't think he's necessarily going to be brought, brought in to, to produce like right away. Um, So I like him. I like him growing there. Um, and then BJ Boston, just, just a flyer at the end. Um, he was really, really highly recruited coming out of high school. Um, so the talent is there just a really bad year at Kentucky. Um, if, if he pans out, that's going to be a a really good win for the Clippers.
0: Yeah. So this is a draft I, I didn't personally love. Um, I I, Keon Johnson, I had at 30 or 31. Um, And I thought he was a player that needs this pretty specific team fit. I don't necessarily think that's, that's here. Um, Preston. I like uh, a little bit as like a late second flyer and I love the story. And there's almost no one in this draft. I'm going to root for more than Jason Preston, but uh, I, I, I mean, ahead of Deuce McBride, ahead of Sharif Cooper, uh, ahead of Rokas Yoko even I just, this i don't like this pick much um bj boston at 51 i like that value again weird for the clippers to make that bet because i feel like they don't have roster spots to waste um but if bj works out he's a really interesting sort of wing creator bet um but this this is just it's just sort of a boring draft uh, nothing is like egregiously bad because Like Keon is fine. Jason Preston, again, like I said, rooting for him. BJ Boston is solid value at 51. But there's nothing exciting and there's nothing to really grill either. It's just sort of it's a fine draft that I don't particularly like for this team. But with other teams in a vacuum like these three players that you drafted could work out. This could be three NBA players. But I I don't know. Coop, how, How are you feeling about this draft?
1: I'm going to go silver linings with Keon and talk about how, if there's any team that needs a guy who can just get into the lane and dunk the shit out of the ball, it's the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, they had like negative rim pressure last season. It felt like every time you watch them play, it's just, well, let's hope we hit 45% of our threes this game. And if not, let's hope Kawhi is a monster from the mid range and i think adding somebody i don't know i don't know if the clippers are the team that's going to be able to fully utilize him as you know the pseudo big man that he should be utilized as at this point in his career but if there's a team that is has the roster construction and limitations to be able to put him into that role like you saw what reggie jackson did and reggie jackson isn't some like elite slasher he's a good driver he's good for a guard At 6'3", Keon Johnson is an incredible athlete who if you can just get him going into the lane and somebody's able to throw him the ball, that could be really, really interesting. And then he's also able to defend and, you know, make fun rotations. I think it's a good pick. Um, Is it my favorite, like, just draft board-wise? No. But I think if there's a team that's in the position just off their roster to make that pick, it's the Clippers. Uh, I mean, Preston's good. It's a good pick right there. Uh, solid value. You know, if you can get a guy who can, you know, maybe be something his size, you know, why not go for it? There were better guys who you could have taken and, but you know, you could say that for literally every pick except for pick one and pick three, but, uh, and then BJ Boston, uh, nice. Yeah. Just good value.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Stone, we're we're clearly getting tired. We only have a couple teams left, but uh, Stone, do you have any uh, takes on this Clippers draft?
2: Uh, Keon Johnson was, eh, I him with Trey Mann is interesting, or sorry, Terrence Mann. They're going to get mixed up so much. Um, Terrence Mann and Keon Johnson really gives them an interesting sort of. Um, Backup lineups. I, those two guys um, can do a lot of fun things together. I'm not really sure. You know, uh, hopefully you buy Terrence man's shooting projection moving forward because if not, those two could also like it, it be really difficult to play together. So, um, but it, it's interesting nonetheless. Um, other guys I would have taken at 21, but it is what it is. Uh, the Clippers left to switch. Ken Johnson can hopefully be a part of that. Um, Jason Preston, I really liked that pick at 33. Another some other guys I probably would have taken above him, but um, as a point guard, uh, he was probably one of the highest guys still available for me. Um, can really operate the pick and roll really well. Can be hopefully a shooter. Uh, big, really great feel. Um, I like the pick there. I don't know how much playing time he gets, but hopefully down the line it's it's significant. Uh, with BJ Boston, good upside play, good upside bet. Um, Yeah. 51. I had them just slightly above this. So from a value perspective, it's totally fine for me. Um, that they had a third pick they're willing to try and develop to hopefully get somebody who, if he hits his highest end outcomes can be of real value to them. So, um, I don't mind the pick at 51.
0: Yeah, that's, that's fair. Uh, yeah. Clippers, um, you know, worst team in LA. So, uh, uh, with that being said, uh, the Nuggets had one pick. They drafted Nishon Bones Highland. Uh, we can be quick here. Uh, Nishon shoots the ball really well. Uh, he shoots it really deep. Um, he's very skinny, uh, but he he's a very good shooter. Um,
2: if anyone has any
0: uh, Nishon on the Nuggets takes, so let's hear it.
2: My one my one nitpick would be, I think the Nuggets could have really used another guard defender, and I don't think. Bones is would have been the best available to do that. Like Jaden Springer went right behind him. I think Jaden Springer would have been fantastic on the Nuggets. And you have, um, like Deuce McBride. Like there's other guys I think that could have been better for the Nuggets specifically. Um, And that I also just had as higher value on. But um, at 26, it's not it's not definitely bad value. I think it gives them. Um, between him and like Jamal Murray that's going to be a lot of fun in uh, that backcourt guys who can really extend range pretty far Uh, Bones can you know hopefully the translatability of his handle um, is there and he can create for himself it gives them another scoring option um, not that they need a whole lot more but uh, yeah it's a totally fine pick at 26.
0: Yeah uh, that's I, my, I'm with you like Jaden Springer probably should have been the big here or, or more accurately probably Jared Butler if you're kind of looking for someone who can maybe give you both of what uh, Bones and and uh, uh, Springer do. Um, I will stay with, with Bones. I mean if he really works out they can run some very deadly offensive lineups with Jokic, MPJ, uh, Murray, and Bones. I mean that would maybe be Uh, maybe the greatest shooting lineup in NBA history. If, if bones is really the shooter, we think he is Um, that, that would be pretty nuts. Uh, But yeah, that's, that's sort of just the pick there. Uh, I feel like there's not a lot to say. Um, If bones really works out, uh, he he generates solid rim pressure for a guard like him. Um, If that really becomes something that can be an awesome fit next to Jokic because uh, when Murray went out, you know his shooting is what he's most known for, but what the Nuggets really lost was his rim pressure. Um, so it would be nice if, if Bones can translate that to the NBA. Uh, but now comes one of the best picks in the whole draft, uh, and that's my Jazz at forty. They took Jared Butler. Um, I I love this pick. I was very happy. Um, Stone was Stone was happy to see his guy go. Uh, so does anyone have any Jared Butler on the Jazz takes?
2: Best pick of the draft like in, in terms of where he was picked to where he was on my board that's a 34 pick value right there for me which is insane value at 40. Um, He does really like everything from a guard perspective I think it's fantastic. Uh, Jazz won the second round if not the draft.
0: Yeah I mean for me personally as a Jazz fan I love it like he is sort of the ideal long-term replacement for Mike Conley. Um, I think he fell for health reasons and I'm hopeful that those health reasons are gonna be negated um, and that they won't matter. And that Jared Butler's just, he is one of the best shooters in the draft. He is a very good ball handler. He's a smart passer. He's a good defender. He does everything that you could ask for a guard. And he's not like, he's like five, nine, he's six, three. He's like a solid sized guard. Um, he's not ever going to be like an all-star superstar. I don't think, um, you know, maybe there's some untapped all-star potential there, but he's just so good at the sport of basketball that it's hard to deny, um, at 40, uh, he's, he's almost certainly going to be an NBA player if he's healthy and to get that at 40, much less the fact that he could have the upside to be a, a starter, a true difference maker on very good teams. I love that pick for the jazz. Uh, moving on to a pick I loved a little bit less, um, and that's Trailblazers selected Greg Brown the third. Um, Greg Brown, he jumps really high. Uh, he does that. Um, yeah, Coop, do you have any Greg Brown the third takes? Uh,
1: this was, I think, objectively the funniest pick in the entire draft. Uh, the Blazers. You look at their their whole offseason, It's been a massive shit show, and then they're like, "Well, guys." I know we've been picking a lot of athletes that don't do much and a lot of RSCI guys and a lot of guys who were great in high school and sucked in college. But Dame, this year, it's going to be different. Dame, we're going to rebuild this roster for you. We are showing that we're committed to you. Damien.
2: <laughs> and then they pick Greg fucking Brown. <laughs> Oh my gosh. If I was Damien Lillard, the second I saw this pick on TV, I would have requested a trade. Like that's, that's all I need to say about that pick. I'm not even going to say anymore.
1: Basically the evaluation, low IQ shot checker jumps high. Can sometimes defend. Don't think he's going to do it at the next level. Didn't really do
2: it in college. Very rarely. Good rebounder. He, he embodies everything we hate on upside swings. Um, and we want the best for him. We want him to be – to prove us all wrong and be, you know, hit his highest end outcome and, and hopefully be what keeps Dame in Portland. Uh, but it, that's just probably not going to be the case, and I hate this pick. Uh,
0: yeah, I I don't hate this pick as much as you guys um, because in high school, Greg Brown III flashed, like, a little bit more passing and feel – um but uh, yeah it's um it's uninspired i just uh i mean eventually one of these rsci guys has to work right i mean this year little aunt simons greg Brown the third like eventually one has to like <laughs> like live up to their high school ranking that's right? not or, gonna
2: start this year i can tell yeah. you that much
0: <laughs> uh you know this year little maybe he uh he also jumps um pretty high so yeah, this is uh, just an uninspired pick. Um, I feel like I feel like the Portland Trailblazers right now are sort of like 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 a like a train that's like slowly moving towards like a school bus on the railroad. You know, it's just like you just have to sit there and dread and watch. And there's nothing you can do as this like train barrels down. And, and yeah, this is just, uh, last year's rockets. Rock
2: and they are the Western Conference Washington Wizards.
0: Yeah, and, and it's tough for me because I love Dame. Uh, Dame is one of my favorite players. I have a CJ McCollum jersey too. Um, the only NBA team I've seen live is – well, I've, seen, I've watched them play the Jazz, but it was at, uh, it was at the, the Moda Center in Portland. Uh, so, yeah. So, surprisingly, that was the last draft pick a Western Conference team made. And that was pick 43. Um, but we are going to talk about one more team really quickly. Um, and that is stones, Los Angeles Lakers. Um, they've had an eventful off season and we will not dive into all of it. We are just going to talk about their two immaculately good two-way signings. And that's Austin Reeves and Joel A. I, um, these were two guys I had, uh, like very draftable in my top part of the second round. Austin Reeves specifically was someone who really piqued my interest as sort of an all around do it all guard. Um, Yeah, this is uh, Stone. I'm just going to let you sort of give the take here because uh, you're the one whose opinion matters. These are your Lakers, but I I love these two signings for them.
2: Yeah. um, Both these, I like both the signings. I had both these guys draftable between like. I think I had Ayayi like 48 and then Reeves like 54. So not by much. It's not like for me personally, not like an absolute home run two-way pickup, Um, but they're good. They're they're probably the two best when you combine them two-way pickups of any team. Um, I I think Ayayi is just, he's a great cutter. So when you're playing next to LeBron, that's just awesome. Uh, And then Reeves is a great creator for himself, a great shooter. And I would say there's a legitimate possibility that at least one of them is um, turned into a, a full-time standard NBA contract uh, so at some point throughout the season. I, I think there's a real possibility for that. The Lakers still have three open roster spots and I, I think one of them is being saved for one of these guys. So um, yeah, I, I, there's um, in the South Bay Lakers uh, and then we also got Chandi Brown on the summer league. So of those three guys, like, there's some real um silver lining for for the offseason that we've had
0: yeah i'll say um the lakers are weird they're probably gonna be one of those teams that enter the season with only 14 roster spots used because of luxury tax things um it drives me nuts that the lakers aren't willing to like just pay a shit ton of luxury tax they're you're you're, one of the most profitable teams in sports like come on uh It's like I'm sort of a Cubs fan, right? Though they're my second baseball team. They just sold the whole team to be cheap and they're blaming the COVID pandemic. And I'm like, you guys are billionaires. Like, suck my dick. I I can't stand that. Um, but yeah, this is uh this was a solid this was a solid uh undrafted set of undrafted for them. Um so we've sort of talked about the whole draft. We've done a review, we're very, we're very clearly getting tired. I hope the pod hasn't completely dropped off in quality, but Okay, we're, we're not going to talk about
1: the Suns draft.
0: Oh, <laughs> or the Timberwolves, the Timberwolves. Uh, no, but uh, I wanted to ask you guys each just if you have like one takeaway from this draft as a whole, what would it be? Davis, I'm going to throw it to you first. Just one general overarching takeaway from this whole. Trip.
3: Just that you never know, like what's going to happen. It, it's so unpredictable. Yeah. Um, Like and after the first like five, seven, eight picks, it it's so unpredictable. It's it's you never know. You just never know what's gonna happen.
0: Yeah, uh, that's that. That was definitely uh, for those that tuned into our live show. uh, You could see just how surprising it was. I wanted to post it as a pod, but uh, the audio got corrupted. So R.I.P. to that. It'll live forever in our memories. Uh, Stone, what's one big takeaway from the full draft?
2: I guess sort of piggybacking off of Davis's um, his takeaway is that because the draft is so unpredictable um, there is value to be found everywhere in this draft um, or in any draft it, because of these unpredictable picks um, that just ups your chances for, for getting somebody with real value. Like we saw with Jared brother and Sharif Cooper in the forties. So um, always be prepared to come away from the draft with a really good prospect.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, Our friend Coop, it is getting late for him. It's 1115 where he's at, but he has powered through it with us. Uh, Coop, what's one big takeaway from this draft as a whole?
1: Uh, My biggest takeaway has got to be that uh, NBA teams are not all like they don't always have the exact same mindsets, right? Not just they're not a collective that people seem to view them as and that what we view as consensus or like more mainstream and a lot of like this intel that people seem to be getting is just bullshit like like we get there's there's some little nuggets that you get in there like the the little rumblings about Scotty Barnes and not like some other little stuff or woes dropping that Kate Cunningham's the pick 8 hours before the draft but 99% of this stuff that's getting leaked or like leaked is just not true or two, three weeks old.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's a great point that NBA teams aren't a hive mind in that there's a lot more uh, nuanced how they think, just like how even though I talk about it like it is, like draft is not a hive mind, right? Like uh, there's plenty of differences of opinions. I think mine would be that, that parts of the NBA are still, uh, maybe, maybe the best way of putting this is like how different my philosophy is from a lot of the NBAs. Um, and it's not just individual player evaluations, but just overarching. Like, I still think I just value wings more than the NBA does as a whole. Um, at least until they have to pay them in free agency, and then everyone needs a 3D wing, right? But when it comes to the draft, we'd rather, you know, take scalable, unscalable bigs or whatever it may be. Um, I just, uh, yeah, I guess that's a big takeaway. and My also big takeaway was, uh, It was an exhausting process uh this draft but it was it was a super fun one um this has been a super fun pod we've been recording for like four no three hours i guess little little less but we recorded for almost two hours this morning so this has been a long day of recording uh and i can't thank my my podcast co-host uh enough for for putting up with uh my my machinations as a host um davis let's people know where they can find you
3: Yeah, of course. So uh, you can find me on Twitter at Sports by Davis, everything basketball related. Uh, Also do some football when the season comes, but um, just on Twitter, Sports by Davis, and you can find me here on on the Upside Streets podcast.
0: Yeah. Uh, Cooper, do you want to let people know where they can find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Cooper underscore Rockets. You'll find
1: my mostly summer league and you know, this draft class stuff and maybe, you know, some other 2022 stuff upcoming uh, on there. And yeah, this has been a great first cycle. I got to tag along for the end with you guys. And I'm really excited to have a full one with, you know, talking to, you know, some really cool guys.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We're excited to have Coop on. Uh, Coop sort of started as mostly just a Rocket specific guy, but uh, we're turning him into a full draft Twitter. Uh, he, he belongs. So uh, Stone, do you want to let people know where they can find you and what they got to do?
2: Yeah, um, you can follow me at report underscore court on Twitter. Uh, all my work and, and draft related stuff will be there. Um, if you want to support the podcast, you can follow us at Upside Swings on Twitter. Uh, and then any subscriptions, ratings, reviews, it's all super helpful and helping to grow our base.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is going to be an exciting offseason for us. I think this is uh, I think we sort of did the quantity game a little bit uh, with the end of the draft cycle with how much work we put out. And I think this soft season is, is going to be a chance for us to really try and uh, expand our quality uh, and, and really up the quality of our analysis. Uh, we brought in someone smart like Cooper because for a reason like that, we think more diverse opinions are good and we really want to spread out um, the type of work we can do. Um, I can't pay attention because Stone is doing whatever he is with his hat. Um but this is, uh, this is great. Uh, I'm at Hendrick 14 on Twitter. Uh, you can find all my work there. I write for the Detroit Bad Boys, and uh, I also write for Roll Call Sports. Roll Call Sports is huge right now. Uh, a lot of interesting stuff going on there. So um, definitely go follow all the stuff going on there. They're still hosting our podcast. Uh, so, yeah, this has been the Upside Swing Draft Podcast. We hope we are our ceiling. Thank you.